Planet Fitness is the most convenient place to get that big fitness energy. Equipment for every workout means you can get in, get energized, and get going. Join the judgment-free zone today for $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment, cancel any time. Deal ends Wednesday, July 19th. See Home Club for details. Where's the most convenient place to get that big fitness energy? It's Planet Fitness. Now through July 19th, you can join for just $1 down, $10 a month. With over 2,400 convenient locations worldwide and equipment for every workout, you can get in, get energized, and get going. Whether you're a newbie or a gym pro, you belong in the judgment-free zone. So join today for $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment, cancel any time. Deal ends Wednesday, July 19th. See Home Club for details. following presentation is an Elmarva Studios production. Welcome back, fact hunters and fellow truth seekers from around the world. It's time for another edition of the Fact Hunters podcast on this July 13th, 2023. Uh, Interesting news day. If you missed it, if you still have a little time on that IRR contract to the U.S. military, uh, Joe Biden today issued an order um, calling up 3,000 reservists, including up to 500 members of the IRR. So if you sign that 3 by 5 or 4 by 4 contract and you've got a little time left on that contract, be wary of uh, your mail for the next few weeks. Um, it's a weird time. We'll see what happens as uh, Raul and I were talking. Our special guest will be joining us in just a minute. Um, we'll see what happens as uh, things play out. Uh, and every day seems to bring a new surprise. Again, welcome aboard this special episode of The Fact Hunter. We do have a very <clears throat> special guest standing by from the Firmamental podcast, Raul. Uh, before we bring him on, just a reminder, please stop by our website, thefacthunter.com. Uh, drop in the chat room and say hello. Click on that 24-7, 365 streaming radio. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and uh, drop your email in to become um, on the list to receive emails anytime we have special events. And of course, questions, comments, concerns, or you'd like to join the podcast, like Raul is tonight, please drop us an email to thefacthunter at mail.com. Again, that is thefacthunter at mail, not gmail.com. Joining us this evening, um, a friend of the show, someone we've had on our other podcast and who has a tremendous podcast entitled Firmamental, uh, and I have the link for you in the show description, as well as his email if you'd like to reach out to him. Um, the email is there as well. I think you will enjoy his podcast. It will certainly, uh, it's exercise for your brain and it is the granddaddy of all conspiracies. Don't miss it. It is the Firma Mental Podcast. And without any further ado, let's bring Raul on brother. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing tremendous. How are you doing, George? Another day in paradise. I know it was a uh, sweltering day here and, uh, I'm sure you had a quite a balmy one as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's 102 degrees over here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And of course, I get off of work today and it, uh, I'm like, I don't feel no airflow in the house. And uh, 
yeah, sure enough, I climb up on my roof. And, you know, out here in the desert, we use swamp coolers and my belt snaps. So a little bit of uh, work I had to do before I get on the show with you today. But, yeah, hey, you know, we, we got it going and uh, we're surviving out here. So do, do you ever want to karate chop somebody in the throat when they hear you say, but it's a dry heat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out here and experience 102 in direct sun. And then over here in Albuquerque, we're over 5,000 feet in elevation. So, you know, we're a mile high. <laughs> that's that's uh i always so we're, we cooking <laughs> but it's a dry heat okay <laughs> once you hit that triple digit i don't care if it's hot humid or whatever it's, it's just plain hot we have a lot of gambits to cover but first uh before we get too far ahead of ourselves go ahead and uh if you would like to introduce yourself to the folks yeah just like george said my name is raul hilliard um i live out here in albuquerque new mexico 45 years old uh father of four um, I work in the security field and, uh, yeah, I, I've just been a fan of George's work for quite a while now. First started with the fact hunter and, and then of course his other podcast flat earth files and, and, uh, took me quite a few episodes of that and doing a bunch of research, but I became sold on that whole issue and then started really pressing and digging into that. Cause, uh, you know, I thought I was like, a black belt and conspiracy theory and lo and behold uh no i wasn't <laughs> but uh you know i after some research uh felt like it was something that i wanted to get involved with you know just uh the true community in general and i had planned on doing a podcast before but just never got it launched off and you know uh after talking to george and he kind of motivated me kind of been like uh i'm his daniel son and he's my mr miyagi kind of <laughs> type deal but uh you know, he kind of put it in my planted the bug in my head, you know, hey, dude, you should give a shot at podcasting. And and I was telling George, you know, like, hey, man, I bought this equipment and I've been wanting to do it for a long time. I just never did it. And then finally, I just said, you know, what? I just got to commit. I just got to do it. And so I produced one episode. Now I'm three, three episodes deep. Uh, got a fourth one coming out. Uh, fourth one's first three are uh, host narrated episodes. So it's just me talking on on various issues. Uh, involving that grand daddy of conspiracy. Um, and then these next few episodes are, are going to, I'm going to have guests on and we're just going to have fun and have some interesting conversation. And Hey, look, we're not telling you to take our word for it. We just want to have, you know, uh, let people know, question everything and go and do your own research and look into these things and compare what one side says to the other. And you come up with your own conclusion. But if we can get people to just look at some of this stuff and, and crack that door open, just maybe, you know, people can, can open up to, to some of these uh, larger conspiracies that I feel like just, um, you know, they, they will bring, it sounds crazy, but it'll bring you a sense of freedom, I guess you'd say. You know, I, I've never felt more free. I'd rather know than live in darkness or blindness. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to convince anybody. I guess I am, right? But, uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying take my word for it. Go look into it, though. And I've just been having fun with it. So thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have George on it. Uh, he's going to come and visit me and be a guest on my show, too. So I'm just really grateful to be here with you guys on Fact Hunter. And I think me and George have put together some... Uh, some fun material for you guys and hopefully you are entertained throughout this uh, podcast. Yeah. And I think the, the big three and thank you for the kind words and I'm glad to have you on this podcast. Uh, I love your energy. It's uh, second to none. The three big topics that we're going to really be covering today. And of course, as conversations go, they, you know, they have their natural routes, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the music industry. I've actually 
had some emails requesting that, so that really works out. We're also going to talk about something uh, that we've done one episode on, but it really deserves more attention, and that is the Las Vegas shooting. And then uh, we will touch a little bit on uh, Princess Diana as well. So you want to kick off with some uh, music conspiracies first, Raul? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we can get into the music conspiracy thing. We can start off there. That's a great place to start. Let's do it. Um, but uh, I, I did want to mention something to your, to your uh, fans and your listeners out there. Uh, because I think it's important and it's uh, it's a current subject that's in the news feed. And, you oh, know, yeah. I just find it atrocious, you yeah. know, what's going on in California. You know, I call him Gavin Gruesome. And, uh, you know, this is just a real travesty. And it's kind of strange. You know, you look at this new Jim. Well, I guess it's not a new Jim Caviezel movie, right? They said they produced this movie five years ago and they had to cut through so much red tape just to get this movie released. And, you know, they're trying to shine a light on pedophilia and at the end of the the movie, after the credits roll, you know, Jim Caviezel has a message to to, you know, the moviegoers out there. And he, he says, you know, really support this movie. It took so much effort to get this movie out. And we really trying to shine a light on human trafficking and ex- exploitation of children. You know, God's children aren't for sale. And, uh, you know. And then you look what's going on in California. And, of course, Gavin Gruesome or Gavin Newsom, but I call him Gavin Gruesome, uh, just uh, blocked that bill that would have made uh, child trafficking a serious felony. And I think it's just disgusting. Like, what are they doing in the state of California? You know, like, I feel sorry for those people that live out there. Uh, Keep a watchful eye on your kids. You know, and it's kind of funny when you look at Hollywood and these guys are making films trying to expose the underbelly. And it's like these these people are involved in this stuff. So they're they've got Gavin Newsom in their pocket and he's over there protecting these people. Like, why would you protect these people? I mean, that is just disgusting to me. And we should all be outraged and we should all be writing our Congress members and we should be looking out for, you know, the bills and the stuff that are coming through each of our own states and look at what's going on. And and we need to hold people accountable. And I know there's a lot of parents, man, I've been watching videos and just parents are losing their crap over there in California and rightfully so. So I don't know, man. What do you think about that, George? Though that was uh, what Rob is referring to is uh, SB 14 from California, which would have made uh, human trafficking of a minor a serious felony in California, which, number one, should be a pretty big red flag that it wasn't already in place. And uh, the the scene there when they voted on it, uh, the victims of uh, who had been victims of human trafficking were in California. the Senate that day, and they uh, were screaming and yelling and were visibly upset at the fact uh, that what this really tells me is that the people who run the state of of California uh, are protecting people who traffic minors. And uh, the Bible is very clear about harming a child. They should have a I think a millstone wrapped around their neck and tossed in the ocean. I'm all for tossing them in volcanoes. It's outrageous. <laughs> it, it, it is so outrageous that we even have this type of conversation. Children, you know, all these things that we talk about with LGBT and the trans issues. If you're an adult, do what you want to do, okay, but don't push it in our face. But to to do this to children is absurd. It's abhorrent. And I know of a lot of people, um, both in the public eye, and I get emails 
for many people. Uh, I got an email two weeks ago from a young lady who packed up her stuff, jumped in a uh, a travel trailer, and left. Left California. Just couldn't deal with it anymore. So I think maybe it's intentional. Maybe they're trying to drive the good people out and create their own little utopia uh, of Marxism or socialism. Uh, will the United States eventually go the way of the old uh, USSR early 90s? Uh, who knows? Every day it gets more and more bizarre. Two days ago, uh, we told Zelensky to beat feet. Today, we're sending 3,000 troops uh, on the border of Ukraine. I have no idea what's going on anymore, brother. Yeah, I mean, uh, all I know is that this is the real Hollywood production, but it's real life at it's the same real time. Life. You know? Yep. And it goes that's back the to way what their you black said. magic works. And that's the way like we're going to get transition into talking about the music industry. Uh, we just touched on the film industry, but, you know, we all know these are our opposition controlled tools that they use to uh, implant thoughts in our mind. And anybody that's researched secret societies in the occult and black magic with a K knows that in order for them to pull off these spells, they have to tell us what they're doing and they get, they have to get us to uh, socially accept it on some kind of level. And the enemy's known this. So he's gained control of these industries. And, you know, we know that all these major corporations, you know, all these major uh, media outlets are all controlled by, you know, the same people that are connected to the, the 13 families that basically run our planet. They pretty much own everything in the Western world. I don't know about China and some of these other places, but you can definitely tie everything back to, you know, these these 13 families. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And you can also, uh, what is it, 44 of the 45 or I'm sorry, 45 of the 46 presidents are all tracked back to, you know, some guy from the 1200s, some king from the 1200s. Yeah, man. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. <laughs> The th 330 million people and, and the same people in the same family become president. But uh, and people still that <laughs> they still get worked up about the presidency and they still are uh, passionate uh, about taking sides. I I was cutting grass today and doing chores. I came in to cool down because it, it was so hot. And um, I'm not going to get into the subject because I really want to talk about the music industry. But. Somebody had made this passionate plea about a certain president who was president for four years and then uh, had the election stole from him. And they said they're going to vote harder and they'll bring him back in 2024. And I just think it's 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 abhorrent that people don't realize that the, if they, they, they stole it one time, like I'm, I'm completely apolitical at this yeah. point. But I, I think even Ray Charles could see that there's no way that that Joe Biden got 81 <laughs> million votes. I mean, it just is, is impossible. And, and their answer to these problems is we're going to vote again next time, but make it really count this time. Uh, I, I just wish that uh, we could get to the root of the problem. Right. It's being diagnosed with something, but not going after the, the root cause, kind of like, you know, Kind of like big pharma and just trying to cover up the the illness instead of fixing it. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's no uh, money in the cure. There's money in prolonged treatment. And I totally agree with you. I'm not playing that game. I kind of played it a little bit and kind of. I even got sucked into that. Me too. You know that 2020 thing. But uh, I'm not doing it again. There's mm -hmm. no way. And you know what? Really, it is now that I have this perspective and and we have these years and post pandemic, I look at it is what they're really trying to get you to do is put your faith in a man. Some man's going to come and save us. And, you know, all this QAnon nonsense. And, you know, maybe there's some truth in some of that stuff. But I really think like it's three letter organization infiltrated 
you know, all this stuff is just to distract you from what's really going on and get keep people at odds. And it's just this whole thing. We got this secret savior and he's related to the Kennedy bloodline and and and, and he's going to secretly come out and drain the swamp. And, you know, I'm not buying it, man. Like, you know what? The only person that's going to save you is Jesus Christ, brother. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ and the man in the mirror, the only two people you can count on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's get in this music thing, let's man. Let's do and, it. Uh, let's... Do you want to start with uh, Nirvana or the, the Travis, uh, Travis, what's his name? Travis Scott Oh, we'll concert? get into that. I kind of like to go in, in chronological order. Let's but, do it. You know, I kind of I kind of want to uh, get you to talk to the fans because I know you have a lot of knowledge on that. And kind of you're the one that got me hip to some of this stuff. But, uh, you know, let's talk about the 60s rock movement, you know, the hippie rock movement and free love. And how all these individuals just happen to have uh, parents that that were tied to uh, government mind control programs, LSD experiments, yeah. and MK Ultra, you know. And it's kind of strange, you know. This is uh, post Korea, right? You know, leading into Vietnam, and there's this uh, radical youth movement, you know, uh, free love, and all these musicians that just rise to the top of the the industry and become the most famous music artists of their time. Just happen to have uh, parents that, you know, such as Jim Morrison, whose dad was a member of the, was it the U.S. Navy, correct? Uh, the, he was the OSS, which became the CIA. Okay, yes. But his dad was involved in the Gulf of Tonkin, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. his father. I'm sorry, Jim Morrison's dad. Yeah, he was in charge of that whole thing that went down. And, you know, a couple of years later, Jim Morrison was the biggest name in uh, the music industry. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, and I know, so I'm going to kind of let you take the stage on this one, but kind of fill the fans in about what you know about some of these rock stars, because I know that, like, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, the Mamas and the Papas, um, you know, uh, Frank Zappa, you know, uh, yeah, these guys all had uh, relatives that were involved in these government programs, so just tell them what you know, George. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, here we are. You set it up perfectly, too. The Korea War has ended, and I think um, one of the last great times for America, one could argue that the 80s, we had a decent run there, where, but we didn't at that point even have a time where... Um, a family could survive on dad's income. Mom would be home to take care of the, the children, and uh, they were more focused on education. It hadn't been really fully hijacked by the synagogue of Satan at this point. And then the 60s roll in, and really the day we talk about that really changed the course of history was November 22nd, 1963. Uh, you know, they took out a sitting president in front of the world, and again, they do these type of events intentionally in front of the world. Uh, just like the Space Shuttle Challenger back in the 80s, they wheeled a TV into every single classroom across this nation, and every child watched that teacher, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, blow up because there's a lot of evidence that lead to that being a hoax as well, but I digress. That's not in uh, part, really part of uh, tonight's <laughs> discussion, but uh, it should be known that these events, 9-11, the Challenger, and Kennedy were done on TV. It was a TV event. It was this MK Ultra type of fear based mind control where when these type of things happen, we look 
uh, to a man for help. Uh, COVID, we look to uh, doctors to save us. 9-11, we look to the government to save us. Uh, the Challenger, you know, renewed our faith in NASA and the, the American spirit we're going to rebuild. And we gave NASA that $3 billion contract to build another space shuttle. And the 60s, af- after JFK getting assassinated, things started to spiral out of control. Obviously, LBJ and the the warmongers uh, wanted Vietnam. Uh, JFK did not. And um, the anti-protest uh, regime began and outgrew the hippie movement. And with all of that stuff going on in, in 1968, that year that started the clock towards 9-11, you had Martin Luther King assassinated April 4th, 4-4. You had RFK um, you know, killed in Los Angeles, uh, walking out. We just were working on an episode for that. That that rabbit hole is so immense. Um, it's just as big as JFK's. The only thing is RFK wasn't a sitting president at the time, so it isn't as big a story. But man, the Sirhan Sirhan thing, it's impossible that he killed RFK. So the, anti-pro- uh, the anti-protest scene started to build and it got huge. Um, so what they did, and I implore every individual, please, and I'll put this in the show description. I already had it annotated. A book by Dave McGowan, which is one of the people I always regret not reaching out two years ago and having a conversation with that guy. He's since passed, but his book, Weird Scenes. Rest in peace. Yeah, I mean, some you can still <laughs> find some of his interviews. Uh, mostly on Rumble and BitChute now. I think YouTube has done a pretty good cleansing. But his book is you called... You play him on your radio too, don't you? Yeah, Some I think his, I have uh... done a, a classic audio back in the day. I Actually, I need to play it. I need to write that down. Uh, uh, a great interview he did about 10 or 12 years ago, but it's called Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon, Laurel Canyon, Covert Ops, and The Dark Heart of the Hippie Dream. And, you know, this 1960 hippie movement, which was anti-war, of course, they made, uh, it, that was a big part of the um, Fair, Forrest Gump movie. But this is a place where all these artists, we're talking the Doors, the Birds, Buffalo Springfield, the Monkeys, the Beach Boys, the Turtles, the Eagles, uh, like you said, Zappa, Steppenwolf, Born to be Wild, Three Dog Night, Joni Mitchell, I mean, these were the biggest names in the 60s and 70s, and they all lived in a a tiny little neighborhood in Los Angeles. And yes, as it turns out, all their parents were either um, military intelligence, like they were G2 in the Navy or had links to the CIA, um, and they were all put in place. And the concerts, that's where the LSD came into play. And then, you know, Charles Manson and his family uh, had a bit play in all of this as well. I really, you want to talk about a, a book that will blow your mind. And at the same time, you'll realize that there is nothing, and I mean nothing organic in this country. Everything is created from from Live Aid to, to Hands Across America to, to all of these things, they they are done for certain reasons and to evoke certain emotions and uh, to hijack money. Just it's a whole laundry list of things. But this movement, the hippie movement, to kind of um, quell uh, th- this anti-war movement because that's they started pushing LSD and drugs and those things kind of went by the wayside. And by the way, uh, the fake moon landing was another distraction as well. 
Yeah, you know, you, you, man, yeah, that's a lot of information to soak in there, but you know, you're absolutely right. And it's just, and what's crazy is I'm even a big fan of a lot of that music, that era, you know, all that music, it's, it's masterful music. And it's crazy to think that all these people came from the same place, had parents involved with these programs, but they all had this agenda that they were pushing. Right. And it's like, you know, this radical free love, you know, um, really, you know, pushing you to, to explore their sexuality and, uh, of course, forget about the things that were going on that were truly important uh, behind the scenes, you know, while they're engaging in wars and uh, further manifesting this, uh, what we're coming into present day, you know, this industrial war machine and gaining control of everything and, and further expanding their, their global control. And they use these individuals to, uh, to pervert the youth's minds. And I remember being young, you know, and I was kind of like, I was born in 78. But I remember being a child of the 80s and I had older brothers that were rockers. And I remember that whole satanic panic and yeah. and all these, you know, they weren't even hiding it then. You know, like, you know, Slayer comes out and there's they're, their symbols, the pentagram and Metallica and Motley you know, Crue, uh, shout at the devil. Motley, yeah, shout at the devil, Van Halen running with the devil, you know, ACDC and, uh, you know, all uh, which they say standing for Antichrist, Devil Child, and Kiss, Knights in Satan's Service, yep. and you know uh, this whole movement. But you know, it, it you you I used to think of like the hippie era as just this innocent little era. But you go back and you listen to the music, and you listen to the dialogue and the lyrics, and you find this stuff out. And then uh, the Beatles are making music about a song called Helta Skelta, and uh, Charles Manson cult uh, writes on the what was the lady's name that they killed the actress? Oh, Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. And they wrote uh, in blood on the wall, Helter Skelter, right? Helter Skelter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like, if you go back and you look at these just from a different lens, you realize it just wasn't so innocent. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, her husband was Roman Polanski, who is the guy now, if I'm not mistaken, he's the guy on the run in another country because of, uh, uh, drugging and raping a 13 year old girl. Yep, that's correct. You know, so yeah, so look at this. So this 60s hippie movement comes in to distract from what's really going on and kind of quell, you know, push down and, and tamper down, you know, uh, the, the protest, you know, and keep people happy with their, I guess, bread and circus. But, you know, music is a huge form of entertainment, and probably the biggest form of entertainment at that time. And then you know, it, it gives birth to this, you know, music goes through these phases, phases and stages. And, uh, you know, we, like I said, you know, I'm a, a born in the seventies, you know, you had the singer songwriter era, which is, I think kind of innocent, you know, and I remember growing up listening to like John Denver and Jim Croce and, and, you know, uh, James Taylor, it just had this innocence to it. And then, and then from there, it just goes back into this raucous eighties, you know, uh, metal scene. And but and, and if you look at that, you know, they were really if you look back at the way the men looked, they were trying to look like women. You know, they were clean shaven, long hair, uh, tight leather pants, you know, wearing, you know, half shirts with their with their uh, abdomen exposed and tassels. And and, you know, you think about it like these guys were these uh, uh, love, sex and rock and roll, you know, drug, sex and rock and roll. And you go back and you hear all these stories, you know, a lot of these guys behind the closet, you know, were engaged in, you know, uh, homosexual activities and and they were, you know, a, 
heavily into the occult and they were in control too, you know, and then that's, that leads up into uh, probably one of my favorite eras of music uh, when I got to be a young teenager, which is grunge rock, where again, they tried to break away from the norm, right? You had the 60 hippies era, and then you had the singer songwriters era, then you have the metal era. And then what comes to break up the metal era grunge. And I remember grunge was like, when it first came out, it was this completely new sound. And I remember the first time I was kind of into metal because my I grew up listening to that rock with my brothers. But I remember the first time I heard Nirvana and I was just blown away. I saw uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit at a friend's house and we were swimming at his pool and we just happened to be in his room and we, they had MTV on and that video came on. I just remember we all froze and we just turned to the TV and a lot of us were into rap music. You know, we're listening to, you know, rebellious rap music like NWA and two live crew. And there was that whole thing where they started putting parental advisory stickers on things. And That's it was right. this big old whole free speech, you know, was the hot topic. And, and that's when they decided that they were going to slap, you know, these labels on, on these albums and, uh, you know, but uh, I was really into the rap, but uh, here comes grunge. And I remember I just, I just completely fell into it. And, uh, you know, Nirvana was probably the biggest band in, in the grunge movement. But of course we had Pearl Jam, we had Soundgarden, we had Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and mention all of them, but you know, you had this movement, you know, and these guys, they, they weren't doing the the long haired, tight pants, leather pants, things. I mean, these guys were wearing jeans and, and they were kind of like this counterculture where they're like kind of dressing down and dressing in plain clothes. And they were, they were rebellious in their own way. Right. They were kind of, uh, breaking away from that norm and, and they ushered in this new whole new, uh, genre of music and, and great music, by the way, all that stuff is, is great music and I love it. But, uh, I remember, you know, when Kurt Cobain died, and he happened to actually kill himself, or supposedly we're going to get into that now. But uh, when Kurt Cobain died was April 5th, I believe, was it 1990? Can you Google this for me? I think it was 92 or 93, maybe 94. I'll check for you real quick. Uh, yeah, when did, when did Kurt Cobain die? But I know it was on April 5th. Which is, uh, that's an interesting date. Kurt Cobain died uh, April 5th, 1994. 1994. So see, I was uh, born in, so I was 16 years old, right? I'm in the, the prime of my, uh, of my teenage years. And this is my favorite rock star. And I remember, dude, I remember crying, uh, Kurt Loder. Remember Kurt Loder? Oh yeah. He you was know, the da, MTV da, da, news da, da, guy. Da, you know, the, MT, <laughs> yeah. the MTV thing and yeah. he'd come on and breaking news. And, and I remember, man, uh, I was at a friend's house again and that, and it came on this report. And I just remember seeing all his fans crying and they were lighting candles and they did this whole shrine to him in Seattle where he was from. And that in Seattle, by the way, is the, is the Mecca, the hub of well, actually Jimi Hendrix is from, from Seattle too. But uh, that was the grunge rock scene. You know, the, the whole Seattle was the, was the Mecca of the grunge rock scene. And I just remember that whole thing. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, since then, there's this documentary that came out, and uh, I think George will probably be able to track it down. We maybe put a link to that, but it's called Soaked in Bleach, and it shows this kind of conspiracy that uh, maybe Kurt Cobain didn't kill himself. There's a lot of fishiness surrounding this conspiracy, so if you don't mind, I'll just get into that. Yeah, absolutely jump on it. By the way, um, well, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Courtney Love later. Yeah, so basically that's it. You know, um, anybody who's a, a fan of, of Kurt Cobain uh, knows he was a pretty reclusive guy. 
He never really wanted to be in the spotlight. When they first started performing, kind of like Jim Morrison would do, he would even turn his back to the crowd. He was so embarrassed to even have his face shown. And he was a good-looking guy, you know what yeah. I mean? He had a uh, you know great songwriter, great guitarist, but uh, he never really wanted to be thrusted into the limelight, you know? But uh, they, they blew up, and they become the biggest rock band in the world. And, of course, he marries this lady, Courtney Love. And, uh, you know, he, he was a very private person. Um, you know, we all know that he, he suffered from a horrible heroin addiction. Um, I know he did cocaine and all kinds of stuff, but I think heroin was his, is, uh, the one that really had him bad, you know? And, uh, it, it, he was writing, uh, memoirs. He had a diary that he was keeping that he never intended. It was just for him, you know, something that he did and, and something that he logged his, his thoughts down in and he wrote lyrics in and, and it was something very private to him. And lo and behold, when he passes away, Courtney Love sells this to a book company that he never intended, by the way, to have all this stuff released to the public. And, and she profits millions off uh, making this into a book, right? Yeah. Also, she becomes a rock star herself. You know, she she you know, uh, the, the band Hole blows up. And um, she totally, uh, it shows in this documentary that, that Kurt Cobain was actually... Uh, trying to get out of that lifestyle he was actually i think he was really trying to get clean you know he was trying to leave courtney love they were in a toxic relationship and uh it shows in this documentary that that he wanted her to sign a uh uh not the prenuptial but whatever you know where it's called where if if we get divorced like you're not going to take this this or that and i can remain control of this part of the estate he was putting stipulations in and uh i she caught wind of this you know and uh, there was a drug dealer that they were involved with that was one of their uh, local area heroin dealers. And, of course, you know, this guy's got an unlimited amount of money. You know, he's the biggest rock star in the world. He's got this horrible addiction. So he's got this guy on speed dial. You know, I don't know if they had him on the landlines back then, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's delivering dope to this guy's house. Imagine how much money those dope dealers were making off of him, right? So uh, supposedly when he kills himself on April 5th, they said that he shot himself with a with a 12 gauge shotgun. Okay, you know how awkward that is to kill yourself with a 12 gauge shotgun. I'm sure this guy's a a, a multi multi hundred dollar millionaire or whatever he is. I'm sure he had plenty of pistols lying around. The fact that you would choose a 12 gauge is, is pretty damn brutal. You know what I mean? So so there's red flag number one. Right. Not to mention the toxicology report comes back about Kurt that he had three to five times the amount of normal heroin that somebody could ingest. And he's he's uh, dexterous enough to handle this shotgun and place it and do this thing like like, no, uh, they even said even for a seasoned heroin addict, anybody that had that amount of, of heroin in their body at one time, you would be passed out or dead. Right. You're going to die from an overdose or you're going to pat. You just pass out. You've seen heroin addicts and people that use opiates. They just fall asleep on themselves while smoking a cigarette as the ashes burn their chest. You know, that's right. Like this guy's not going to be dexterous enough to go. Not to mention he wrote a suicide note that forensic experts go back and look when they're investigating the crime scene and uh, for uh, uh, handwriting calligraphy experts or whatever they call them. Uh, say that his handwriting wasn't his normal style of handwriting, that it looked rushed, that it looked forced, 
that it's inconsistent with his regular uh, writing patterns, almost like he was forced to do this. Right. And so he kills himself under these crazy circumstances, you know, way too much heroin in his system. He shoots himself with a shotgun instead of a pistol. You know, it's a gory mess. You know, that he's got this suicide note that looks forced. You got a, a woman that he wants to leave that doesn't want to, I mean, she was trying to control this guy. She was a jealous psychopath trying to control this guy. She knew she was good. He was, he was going to leave her and she wasn't going to have it. Um, so, so, there i i'm gonna go go back to the drug dealer right so in soaked in bleach and it's a a documentary filmmaker and he's from the uk i believe and he interviews this guy during when they were shooting this documentary and the guy says yeah but they have his face pixelated and they have a voice changer and they're interviewing this guy in a in a remote location and he says uh to the interviewer that uh yeah courtney love approached him and she offered him $30,000 to off Kurt Cobain and that they wanted to try to make it look like a suicide. And he says to the documentary filmmaker, I told him no, that I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Like Kurt's my friend and I'm not going to do this, you know? Wow. And so, yeah. So this guy, uh, at the end of the documentary, they go back and they reflect and they say, you know, uh, rest in peace. The guy got murdered during the, the, the documentary filmmakers, uh, investigation into all this stuff so i mean there's a there's multiple red flags you know that's like four or five red flags going up now and then you look at you know courtney love's career takes off you know um you know she sells his she of course gains his right the rights to his estate because he never finished the paperwork to cut her out so now she inherits everything that was his you know um she becomes this major rock star she does a movie with uh with uh, the Hustler movie where um, Woody Harrelson played Larry Flint. Remember? Oh, that's and right. She's that's the AIDS right. infected. She's the AIDS infected girlfriend, you know, in the movie. So here she is. She goes from a nobody to all of a sudden being in movies, having book deals and, and being a major rock star herself. So, I mean, there's a lot of fishiness there and I want people to think about this, you know, maybe this guy didn't kill himself, you know, and uh, Dave Grohl, his buddy, his bandmate, right? Uh, I think these people were possibly, you know, involved in a ritualistic style murder. They were in it together. Uh, they were jealous of him. Who knows? Maybe Dave Grohl was jealous because he was the front man and wanted to be a front man himself. Because what does Dave Grohl go on to do after Kurt dies? Right. He himself becomes the front man of a band called the Foo Fighters. And uh, this guy has since gone on to play Satan himself. In the Pick of Destiny movie with uh, Jack Black, do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely, yep. <laughs> yeah, he plays the devil when he guitar battles. That That's Dave Grohl, okay? And then his most recent movie is what? Six, Hotel 666. Six, six, six. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Come on, folks, where there's smoke, there just might be a fire. Like, you know, some of these deaths just aren't organic. And we didn't even touch on, you know, after that, you know, we could talk about Michael Jackson. We could talk about Prince. You know, you got these guys that, you know, Michael Jackson. I mean, this guy went through a, a, becoming a star. As, how old of a kid was he, man? He was just a, a yeah, little Yeah, he was boy. five or six. Before we go into that, though, can I touch on a few things yeah. back on? Uh, yeah. You know, you look at um, uh, Kurt Cobain. 
he had the, the the complete opposite life of uh what Courtney Love has. His uh mother was a waitress, his dad was an auto mechanic. They were very much blue collar, you know, salt of the earth type people. Whereas Courtney Love, uh, that entire family from her parents, grandparents to her great grandparent, her great grandfather was Paul Hervey Fox, which is this very famous playwright. He wrote books. He was a screenwriter, big Hollywood films uh, during their golden age. He wrote Mandalay, The Last Train from Madrid, Safari. So these are one of these families that have been uh, in the in you know, like in the club for um, decades and decades. So you had uh, one side of the house that was a newcomer. Um, he went from just a regular Joe to the biggest name in the world overnight. So I do think that. Uh, Courtney Love had a lot of help executing that plan, what you said. Um, and, and obviously, uh, with a shotgun and not like a nine mil, it has a really strange type of story to it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then uh, I think it's interesting that after Dave Grohl, he continued on with the Foo Fighters. And I think it's really interesting he chose that name because Foo Fighter is another tip of the hat to this uh, World War II UFO phenomenon, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know if that's a little hint or, or what. I've never really looked into his background as far as uh, like his family growing up as well. But uh, again, it sure doesn't seem like he's trying to hide it, right? Yeah, no, not at all. And that's awesome. See, I didn't know that thing about uh, uh, Courtney Love's family history. That's very interesting, you know, and and I'm not going to get into the, the Michael Jackson and Prince thing. I just want people to think about this, you know, because uh, Mike, they're two uh, uh, big rocks, uh, you know, rock stars that died after Kurt did. Right. And both these guys, uh, you know, were thrust in the limelight same. Well, you know, Michael Jackson at a very young age, we know he had, grew up in, in a in a, an abusive household and and you know he he was the biggest name i remember people used to walk by him and faint you know and pass out yep. <laughs> you remember that absolutely you know and of course of course this guy you know who it, you not you never get to live a normal childhood you know he gets into ch changing the pigment of his skin and and reconfigures his whole face and and becomes this recluse and then he's tied to you know all this supposed nefarious stuff with children but maybe i think he just wanted to relive his childhood because he never Agreed. got to when he was young yeah you okay. know yeah and and i think that maybe they were just trying to make this guy look bad like did he do what he did i don't know maybe he did but i don't think you know i've, I've seen interviews where the kids say it wasn't like that you know like he just wanted to be a kid but of course you're inviting like groups of children to come sleep with you in your bed that's kind of strange it's not normal behavior but we're talking about a guy that never got to be a kid himself you know, he built a theme park, you know, on his property, you know, um, and, you know, him and Prince started to come out. And what were they doing? They were starting to talk. They were starting to talk and Prince was starting to talk and they were starting to talk about the underbelly of the music industry, you know. And I think when you start opening your mouth and you start saying things and you have that many fans, it's a no, no. And we're just going to get rid of you. And there's a lot of suspicious stuff. Go look into Prince. You know, uh, Michael Jackson was was overdosed by his doctor, I believe. Yep. Right. Yep. And and same thing with Prince. You know, uh, death by pharmaceuticals. You know, and we all know the. You know, we don't want to get in the pharmaceutical thing, but you know, I, I just want people to think about this, like uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, two things I'd like to add on to that is 
go uh, go read the lyrics to Michael Jackson's song, They Don't Care About Us. I think that song goes hand in hand with Kennedy's speech uh, at the Astoria in 1961, like when he said uh, about secret societies and break them into a thousand pieces. They don't care about us, as he's calling about... it's he's calling out uh, the music industry uh, and a certain population of the music industry. It is quite uh, a song. And there was another one, uh, the one where he talks about uh, Jumi, Sumi, Kick Me, Kike Me. I forget what song that was. (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember the name of the song, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah, I think that was manipulated. But that song, um, They Don't Care About Us by Michael Jackson, uh, and then there was a report that uh, they recorded an anti-Semitic phone rant. So I think these people were scared to death that he, he was rattling the cages too much. And like you said, I, I 100% believe uh, that um, he, basically the same thing that happened to the comedian that, that said uh, Michelle Obama was a tranny. <laughs> oh, Joan Rivers. Yeah, but two months to the day. That was like... Uh, Honey, we all know. <laughs> Yeah. We all know. Remember that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was nothing to her. Two months to the day later, she's dead. 60 days later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what a coincidence, right? Yeah, so we're, you know, we're just talking about the music industry, and we are going to transition to other things that we said we we're going to talk about. But real quick, I'm going to lead it up to modern times, you know. And I have children, so I have four sons, and, you know, I have older teenage boys, and they're into the you know, the rap music scene, like most kids are these days, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just funny to me because when I was growing up, it was all about gangster rap and being a gangster and NWA and you're hardcore and you're manly and you're masculine and we're tough. And, and, you know, even go look at Eminem's lyrics. Like he was bashing homosexuals all the time in his lyrics. Like imagine a rapper to come out and do this today. You'd be excommunicated and like everybody you'd be kicked off every social media platform and you'd be the social pariah for talking like oh, this, yeah. you know, yep. you know, and, and, and I just remember when I was young and listen, like, like George said, like you're an adult and you lead that lifestyle. You know, uh, I am a Christian man, but like, I'm not your judge. I'm not your maker. That's your thing. You know, that's your business. You know, I have no problems with it. I have friends and family members that are in that community. You know, I, I still love them. And, and I have friends, like I said, that, that are in that community. But let me tell you, when I was young, it was taboo. Like you come out the closet, you're probably going to get jumped when you come to school. And I'm not saying that's cool. I don't condone violence on anybody, but let's just look how things have changed. Yep. And if you look at it now, like my kids, you know, my kids, good thing. They like the underground rap, you know, they don't really like the mainstream stuff. They're kind of like their dad. Um, but uh, you look at the famous rappers now, they're out of the closet, you know, when, when I was a kid, that would never happen. I couldn't even fathom that. Like if you would have told me a gay rapper is going to come out and he's going to be the bit number one selling artist in the world, I would have laughed hysterically at you and be like, sure, pal, you know? And uh, now you got rappers su- such as, um, you know, all these rappers too, they come straight out and just straight up say like, yeah, I sold my soul to the devil. Travis Scott, uh, little Uzi Vert. I don't know if you know about that guy, uh, George. I Little Uzi that Vert, say that real fast. <laughs> what does that sound like? Lucifer, right? Little Uzi Vert? Oh, Lucifer. yeah. Yeah, so these people, they're just straight up, you know, um, Takashi 69 he's in a video, and he's sitting Indian style with a, a big old uh, popsicle, and he's basically giving it a, a blowjob, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these are the most famous, you got the guy, the 
little Nas X and he comes out and does the rodeo song before he was out the closet. And then it comes out later that he's, he's uh, gay and he's this big hero and he wins every award and, and he's the artist of the year and the number one selling artist. And then, and then you look back and everybody's like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. He's gay. It's like, dude, did you watch that video? Like you couldn't tell. <laughs> was like, that the one on. where they dug you know? uh, Billy Ray Silas up and, and they put him in that video with him? Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, this guy, after that video, he made a video and, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the song, but just go look it up. There is a video and only watch it one time. I watched it one time. I'll never watch it again, but I just had to see it. Cause somebody told me, dude, you got to go watch this stuff. They're not even hiding it. It's in your face. This guy rides a. So first of all, he's in the video and he's underneath the, what I would call the tree of life, which is a big sign in cabal. Right. And, uh, and he's uh, this homogenous creature and he's forming into like an alien and you can't tell whether he's a man or a woman. And then he, he, he morphs into himself and he rides a stripper pole to hell and he uh, jumps on Satan's uh, phallus, I'll say, to keep it clean. <laughs> and he gives Satan a ride in his video. It was disgusting, man. And I'm just like, I can't. I can't believe this stuff. You look at these guys that are in the industry now and it's like, it's completely controlled by the enemy, man. Especially like, like if you get to a certain level, I'm sorry, Jay-Z, Drake, all these guys, man, they're all, they're all sellouts, man. And they're all the top selling artists. I mean, Jay-Z doesn't even hide it. The guy's a, the guy, you know, Rockefeller records and, uh, you know, married to Beyonce and he openly brags about, uh, you know, being a Mason and, and having ties to all these uh, secret societies, they don't even hide it anymore. But that leads into this uh, this artist that I wanted to talk about. I want, well, I want to talk about the Travis Scott thing. We talked about Travis Scott, and I think uh, some of your listeners might know. Some of them might have forgot. The younger ones are probably going to know. But there was an incident at a Travis Scott concert and where all the kids, they said, got crushed because they were rushing the stage and they got trampled and they, and they asphyxiated because they were getting crushed. And... Uh, you can look up the the death, how many kids perished that day. Um, but yeah, so these kids supposedly get crushed. So first off, to get into Travis Scott's concert, this was post-pandemic, you had to be what? Vaccinated. So all these kids had to present a vaccine card along with their ticket. I'm leading into something here. Give me a moment, folks. And uh, so, so you had to present your vaccine card to go to this Travis Scott concert, a guy who openly says he worships the devil and sold his soul to become famous. In this concert, He's openly worshiping the devil on stage and he's calling people forth to get closer to him. And uh, they're playing this pretty much an ode and they're showing all these satanic images of upside down crosses. And he's basically doing like a satanic rant and, and summoning his, his fans to the stage. And uh, according to the mainstream media, these kids were getting crushed and it was a big melee and they didn't have enough security and a bunch of kids got you know, uh, you know, basically choked out and, and died from asphyxiation because they were, you know, getting, they couldn't breathe. There's no room to breathe. Well, there was a lot and they, they tried to scrub these videos, but you could look at, you can find them. There's a lot of bystanders that were in there that were saying, man, those kids weren't getting crushed. It wasn't like that. They were just dropping dead. They were just falling over and, and dying. And there's this one kid in particular, I remember this interview, and he's, he, was, he even says in the video, and it's a young African-American kid, and he's totally freaked out. And he's saying, 
He's like, man, no, it wasn't even like that. He's all, he's all, I didn't even believe in God. But he's like, man, I was seeing something. He's like, people's faces was changing and there was things going on. And I was just seeing demons everywhere. And he's like, I knew I had to get out of there. Something told me, get out, get out. And so a lot of the kids were leaving, trying to leave the concert and they had locked them in. So they literally scaled the gates of the VIP area because supposedly it happened in the VIP area. These kids scale the gates to get out of this melee because people are dropping dead. They're calling for security. They're calling for medics. Nobody's responding. This guy doesn't stop the concert. They're trying to get his attention like, hey, hey, something's going on. Like people are passing out. We need help here. Then this dude's just going on, just having fun, you know, openly worshiping Satan on stage, you know. So now this is some a theory that I've heard and I wanted to share with your listeners, though. But we know about the vaccine. And uh, there's nanotechnology inside of the vaccine. And what I've heard is that they were using distorted sound waves at high volume using bass music. And the kids weren't actually dying from being crushed. They were dying from the sound waves reacting with the nanotechnology inside of the vaccine. And these kids were having cardiac arrhythmia and dying from cardiac arrest. And this leads into uh, the final part of the the music uh, industry. There's a there was an artist, another artist that be, came out at the time. Can, and, can I yeah, just add ahead. a couple things on Travis Scott before we go to the next one? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, the the numbers were ten dead, twenty five hospitalized. There were there were more minor injuries that were treated at the scene, but they're the ones that really counted, I guess. And they said uh, the official, and again, this is the official narrative. Uh, the official cause of death of all 10 was ruled to be accidental compressive uh, asphyxiation, which, again, leads to uh, uh, them being trampled. And then they also try to say many of these people had um, a toxic combination of drugs and alcohol. And the more I see them try to cover uh, these deaths, the, the more I think that there's something to the fact, like what you said, everybody had to prove they were vaccinated. And um, I do recall as clear as, as as the day is long, that gentleman, it kind of went wild on TikTok and YouTube for a minute, the guy who uh, was saying the things he saw and and just the evil of it all, uh, that guy, I, I remember it. And of course, like everything else, the news cycle is 24 hours. And within a week, we'd, we'd forgotten about that guy. And just you telling the story, it took me back to how traumatic of an experience it was for this guy. Uh, the one other thing I did want to mention is the contractor for that concert, um, was Live Nation, and they have been linked yep. to over 200 deaths and 750 injuries just in the last 15 years here in the United States of America. Uh, but the kicker is <laughs> the guy who's in charge is, is a guy by the name of Michael Rapino, and he is uh, part of the Ashkenazi clans. And uh, that guy has ties to Madonna, U2, Jay-Z, so... Uh, I think it does lend a lot of credence to some, there was something more nefarious going on. Yeah, ring that coincidence bell once again. <laughs> uh, we've yeah, dropped the coin. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like when you do that. Yeah, so this leads into you know the last little segment of this, but there's another uh, modern-day rapper who since uh, perished. Um, he was murdered. His name is XXX Tentacion, but everybody just called him X for short. And this guy became uh, the biggest rapper on the scene. And he was just making um, uh, self-made music, man. 
a kid from Miami, African-American kid, you know, full of energy. He, he was also in underground videos doing like underground fights, like street fights and stuff. He's a pretty wild kid, but, uh, you know, he, he grew a huge legion of fans just using social media, uh, streaming on, uh, Instagram and Snapchat and sorry, I'm not really hip to a lot of this, this new age stuff and some of the social media platforms I've never been on. But I remember my kids would always tell me and show me this guy's music. And he actually had some really good music and there's some songs where he had lyrics. And I was like, wow, this guy's actually really good. And he wasn't uh, signed by a major label. He was an independent artist. And, and my sons would tell me, Hey dad, look, X just went live. And I remember watching videos with this kid and I remember listening to him talk and he would say, you know, things he was telling his fans like hey i want to just let y'all know that that the devil runs the music industry and he's like i want to let my fans know i'll never sell my soul to the devil i'm never gonna sell out he's like i want to let you know that they're they're brainwashing you and they've done experiments and they pray demonic spirits into your music and they're playing distorted brain waves that are scrambling your brains and they bring these subliminal messages in and you guys are being uh put under a spell and he was warning kids that uh to look out for certain uh wavelengths that they were making with the music and and he would say all these things and he sounded like a kook you know kind of to, to some people but i would listen to this kid and i was just like wow he's he's really smart and and maybe he's saying something here and uh he ends up beefing with drake and uh drake we know who who his logo is the Bohemian Owl, the Owl of the Bohemian Grove. Total opposition controlled, you know, number one Absolutely. artist in the world. Yeah, and uh, they were supposedly were supposed to, I guess, at one time they were going to work on a music project together because this kid, he was out selling Jay-Z. He was out selling, like his downloads were just tremendous. Yeah, and this he was guy just had doing all this stuff. RIAA certified sales of over 60 million units in just the U.S. alone. In the U.S. alone, yes, this kid just self-made, right? So of course the handlers were like, "Oh, we need to get our hands on this kid." Yeah. Well, he didn't want to sign. He didn't want to sign. He was telling his fans, "Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sell my soul. Like, this is what's going on." So here's a kid having major influence over millions of young people, and he's telling them all these things that they try to hide from us, right? And then, of course, like they, I guess Drake reaches out to him, wants to do a music project with this kid, and uh, it doesn't fall through. It never falls through. So they start beefing with one another and go and look at the, the circumstances of this guy's death. So it, he was shown going into a bank and pulling out $50,000 cash, and he was going to go. I think it was in Miami. He was going to go to this motorcycle shop. They were driving uh, one of those BMW i4s with the suicide doors. He was with a friend of his. He has this stack of money, and he goes to this motorcycle shop because he plans on buying a street bike. And uh, there's video footage of these these three three goons that that uh, are are tailing him because they they're like, oh, that's X. Look, he's that's X, the rapper. That's X, and and we're gonna rob him, right? We're gonna rob him. And so these guys, there's video footage of X going in this bike shop and these guys pull up in the parking lot across the street and they're watching him. And while he's in the store, you see these two characters walk in and you see X in the security video from the store, like step out of the aisle and he's watching these dudes. And you can tell he's like, nah, something's going on here. So he turns around and he leaves the bike shop without, you remember, he's got the cash to buy the bike. He's there to buy a bike. He leaves without purchasing anything. 
He leaves, he goes to his car. These guys get to their vehicle. And when he's exiting, they're at a, a, a stoplight and they, these guys pull up in their SUV and they block his vehicle and they get out and X is in the driver's seat, his friend in the passenger seat, they get down with guns, they run up on him. And I guess he had his windows down or something. And the guy, the passenger runs out the cars, runs away, runs down the street. The guys don't even worry about him. They go straight after X and you see him reach in like they were reaching for something. Story is that they were trying to snatch the, the chain off of his neck. He was wearing a very expensive, you know, they like that bling. And they were yep. trying to, and he had a bag in the back seat with the money. So they're trying to reach in and he's fighting with them. This guy's a, a scrappy dude. He's fighting with these guys and they shoot him. Boom, boom. They, they grab the money bag. They grab his chain. They jump in the vehicle and, 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 and skirt tail. But I think there's more to this than just, I think these guys were paid to, to execute him. That's what I really believe. And then if you go and you look, uh, Drake makes these rap lyrics and he says in the lyrics something about um, I'm making triple X. I, I always shoot below the neck. Uh, yeah, something your boy is dead. You, you can go look up the lyrics. I didn't say I'm exactly right. I probably butchered that. My sons are going to get mad at me. But <laughs> yeah, go look at this. Drake drops these these rap lines, basically mocking this dude and saying, when I shoot triple X, I shoot below the neck. Uh, find this mother F a dead or something, you know, something to those effects. I didn't write them down. I should have wrote down the exact lyrics and I don't want to try to pull them up my, on my phone. Cause I'm talking to you through my phone and I might lose you, but yeah, I mean, it's just very, very suspicious, right? Like if you don't want to conform and you don't want to join the dark side, well, we'll just get rid of you. Mm, that, that is crazy. And uh, I guess they ended up finding two or three guys, um, this guy, Michael Boatwright, had an accomplice yep. by the game of Robert Allen. They were charged with premeditated, well, it was premeditated first-degree murder. And I guess it was a third guy, Trayvon Newsom. Um, he was eventually arrested, I guess, a month or two down the road. Um, man, and, and I'll tell you this, again, I'm not going to pretend to know that I'm uh, familiar with the, the rap industry. I do. When I when I pulled him up and saw his face, I, I remembered. Uh, I put the name with the face. But uh, it, it's a shame because two things. Number one, this this young man, uh, from all accounts, had a really brutal upbringing. He discovered his uncle yes. uh, hanging. He hung his uncle hang himself. He walked into his bedroom, and that's. I mean, that's something you can never get out of your head. And he had a lot of incidents being apparently he was sexually abused and his dad beat him. Just a, Yeah, he would talk about that. Yeah. And then to, to all of a sudden to be to fame and all that money at such a young age, I just can't imagine how he dealt with that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess his girlfriend at the time was pregnant when he died. So his son was born after his, his dad had been murdered. Wow. He, the, the, the kid was in utero when his dad was murdered. So he does have a, a seat on the planet. And you just went uh, full circle within utero and we started with Nirvana. Yeah. Do you see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That's, that's, that's yeah. perfect. That, that is, that's something I'll tell you what, uh, the, the, the Travis Scott concert is something that I recall. Like I'd never heard of the guy before. I'm not, like I said, I don't, I'm not, uh, into the the hip-hop community too much and uh but seeing the video and i remember vividly how if i remember correctly he just kind of continued on while everything was going on yeah he didn't stop <laughs> it's just like really <laughs> and then when i saw live nation was involved and i had uh, done some that they've come across my uh 
you know, my, my scope. Radar. Yeah. Doing yeah. Pre- previous, um, you know, with Michael Jackson and, and, and those type of issues. It's, uh, that is certainly something that I think really, uh, th- there's something to it. I think maybe it was some kind of test and there you go. It was in Houston and Houston has a lot of technology down there. That's also where NASA is. Exactly. <laughs> um, so who knows? Not a space agency. Not Never a space a straight agency. <laughs> Serpent's tongue in the logo. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> um, so I, I, that is interesting. I, I wonder if whatever they were trying to accomplish, if they consider that a uh, a pass or a fail. Yeah. You know, it's weird, too, now that you mentioned Travis Scott, too. I remember, so he gets on a cereal box. He gets a drink named after him. Oh, that's right. And McDonald's had a yes. meal after him. Yes, and then and then he was on a cereal box. And then the the I have an eleven year old son that plays Fortnite, and I remember he was on the Fortnite video game, and they had a live concert where little kids play Fortnite, and they had a Travis Scott concert where kids can go during a certain time and they go in this room and they're playing Fortnite and it was a Travis Scott concert on a, they made a digital version of him on the video game. So it's like, Hey, you do, you do favors for the enemy, uh, for, for Lucifer. And, uh, he gives you all this limelight. <laughs> Just like you, uh, you give up all those men to, to Vietnam. Your son becomes the biggest name in the music industry. You play the game, you get rewarded. Unfortunately, you only get to experience those riches, uh, riches while you're here on Earth. That's the big difference between uh, your you and I, our future, and versus these people we've been talking about for the last you know forty five minutes. Hey man, I'm into I'm into building riches in heaven, brother. Yep, me too. <laughs> they can have yeah. the gold necklaces and the and the million uh, dollar houses and the gold records. Uh, I'll take the gold streets in heaven. Amen to that. Yeah, George. So I know that we said we wanted to touch on a few other things, and I don't know how far into it we are and how much time we have. But if you have some time, I'd like to get into this Las Vegas shooting. Let, Vegas is too. the next destination. Let's go. Let's let's uh, move down the road, you know, and and this was a country music concert, right? So yes, this sir. is kind of like an attack on Americana, you know, it's and uh, so let me just get into it, you know. So Stephen Paddock, who's a 64, 64 year old accountant who's got no firearms training, he's in, in bad health, um, somehow is an expert at wielding high, highly complex weapon systems for 10 minutes straight. Like, okay, that's just where, you know, my uh, official rundown. But so this happened on on October 1st, 2017. Uh, The official numbers was uh, 58 dead and 500 injured. Um, So let's get into some of the details, folks, and just look how many red flags go up. So as I mentioned, this is the 64-year-old man, addicted gambler, not in good health, you know, supposedly carries, you know, Navy SEALs would have a hard time executing a shot from the 32nd floor, by the way, which if you add the basement in there, he's technically on the 33, floor, yep. <laughs> which, which we all know there's your 33, you know, and which is a huge number uh, in the occult, you know. And uh, so this guy from the 32nd floor, 
Um, I'm sorry, but a Navy SEAL shooting 10 minutes consecutively with, with those weapons. I mean, the dude was flabby washed. He's a flabby washed up gambler. You're going to, you would have difficulty remaining accuracy and stamina. You know, he had no firearms experience. You know, those are complex, uh, you know, weapon systems. When you have to reload, when you have to clear a magazine, they're going to overheat. Your gun's going to overheat. You have to clear, uh, 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 you know, when something gets, um, you know, when bullets get lodged, how are you going to clear them out? You know, where's the powder residue in his room? You know, he's he's shooting in an enclosed space. That's creating a lot of gun smoke. You're going to tell me that's not going to choke him. Like it, it'd be really hard for one guy, you know, even with with tremendous training to pull this off. You're talking about a 64 year old washed up gambler shoots 58 people and injures 500 by himself. I'm not buying it. OK, so we'll start there. But uh, not to mention the the angle that he's shooting at from the 32nd floor, you know, and there's a lot of eyewitnesses that got interviewed on the uh, official scene. And I remember one of them was a police officer and he said, I know ballistics. And he goes, I wasn't shot from a downward trajectory. I was shot from from a, a level trajectory. He goes, you know, because your your bullet wound's going to come from an angle and, and come out the bottom. And he, the, there was people getting hit and their injuries were indicative of somebody shooting from a lower elevation. So that's kind of fishy, right? And, and it's really hard to find these interviews, but you can, I think there is links in that article that I gave you. And hopefully the videos are still up because some of them are on YouTube, but yeah, look into this stuff, folks. And, and these are some of my smoking guns surrounding the Las Vegas shooting. Okay. So they said that he had 10, um, 10 rifles on him, 10, 10 automatic rifles. You know, so uh, this is a guy that had at one point was gambling a $10,000 a day. He had basically burnt through all of his savings. He was on his last thread. He was he was he was broke and 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 old and out of shape. Uh, where did he get the money for this stuff? You know, 10,000 rifles and 5000 rounds of ammunition, you know, um, and also his room looked like it was staged for more than one person, you know, like there was more than one person 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 active in that room of course uh the scapegoat he 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 kills himself right before the the police or the media get gets a chance to interview this guy he kills himself before the police arrive in his room you know kind of funny kind of like aurora colorado they kill themselves right that's right and uh, and jfk the patsy dies there the story ends there right uh also the ballistic evidence uh wasn't indicative of showing that he shot himself that was another thing that I uncovered. And uh, the, there's videos that were taken from the concert. There were video cameras running. And they, uh, I, I, I've heard a lot of people say there's no muzzle flashes coming from the 32nd floor. Matter of fact, the muzzle flashes, people videotape. And there's an African-American woman that, that was walking down the street said, I saw somebody shooting from the fifth low. I saw somebody shooting from the fifth low. And, and, and they don't play that lady's interview anymore. So... So there's uh, multiple shooters, right? Not just one. And think about the number of people that got hit, right? And you've got this 64-year-old out-of-shape man just, just doing all this by himself. Those, those weapons are heavy. They, 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 they rack your shoulder good. You know what I mean? You get, a, you get it jammed. You got to gotta know how to clear it and, and rechamber it, how to reload. Like, I, I just don't buy that this guy's executing this all on his own, right? Agreed. Um, also, uh, like I said, they, there, there's eyewitnesses say that there was multiple weapons firing. 
And in a video attached to this, this article that we're going to post as a link, they say cue in on the second minute marker and, uh, attached in the video. And you go to two minutes in the video and they say you're hearing multiple gunshots, different gunshots going off at the same time. Uh, the lights got cut off. People are running around in pandemonium, right? Um, and this is uh, something else that was weird is that ISIS tried to lay claim that they influenced Paddock to execute the attack. Now, I think this is just, uh, you know, one of the three little organizations coming up with this story. Yeah, that sounds like the CIA fact, right? hard at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So they said that he had recently become a, uh, I don't know what you'd call him, a born-again Muslim, or he had recently joined the Nation of Islam and he became a Muslim, and that somehow uh, somehow ISIS got in touch with this 64-year-old degenerate uh Caucasian gambler and converted him to ISIS and got him to shoot about 58 people and, and injure 500. Sorry, I'm not buying it. <laughs> um, also, in an interview, his brother did, uh, you know, post fact, uh, his brother said in the interview, and I'm going to read a quote, he said, my brother, where did he get all these automatic weapons from? He was not a gun guy. He had no military experience. He just liked to gamble and eat burritos. <laughs> yep. That's what the yeah, that's what this guy's brother said. So, like I said, 64 years old. I don't think he's in shape to do this. I'm 45 years old. I'm in the armed security field. Um, I have a lot of experience with firearms. I'm telling you, I, I couldn't pull that off. You know what I mean? And I'm 20 years younger than this guy, and I have training and experience. And I've handled these I've handled these weapons that that he was using. And dude. Any expert, any you're a military. What do you think about that? What do you think about this guy pulling that off? <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way he pulled this off by himself. Uh, number one, these hotels in Vegas have more cameras per square foot than yep. uh, than probably the CIA and Pentagon as well. I mean, they have so much security, so they would have caught it. Number two. Anytime these things go down, I always look the first thing, even before I look for the money, I look at family lineage. And this guy's father uh, was a career criminal. I, I think he died in jail. His name, his dad's name was Benjamin. And um, he was a career criminal as well. I don't really – that that wasn't the thing that struck me. What struck me was this happened in – was it October 1st of uh, 2017, right? Correct. Okay. And just a few months later, uh, seven months later, May 2018, his brother, Stephen Paddock's brother, Bruce, was arrested in Hollywood. He had almost a thousand child pornography images on his computer. Uh, they just let him go. Just let him go. Wow. wow. So yeah, obviously see? they knew something. Yeah, you know, and that's what I was going to lead into. Those are some of my next, you know, next red flags that I was going to bring up surrounding this event. Um, he had uh, no criminal record, according to like before he he had no criminal record. Stephen Paddock, now his family members, his brother might have been involved in stuff. Yep. But from what I had read, uh, Stephen Paddock himself had no criminal record. OK. Yep. And also you mentioned it. Las Vegas, Nevada, especially a hotel casino, it has video footage and all that video footage is going to be able, you could go back and find stuff on video. You know, it's all recorded. It's all stored. You know, it's all digital. You know, they're not losing video footage, security footage from these, from these resorts. So you're going to tell me this 64 year old man was carrying 10 automatic rifles. 
You know, you know how heavy that is. That's heavy. Yep. And then you're carrying all this ammunition. What are you carrying it in duffel bags? You know, like he's 64 years old and out of shape. When he comes in the door, dude, his security doesn't think there's anything fishy. No bellhops, no hotel staff come up and say, hey, sir, you need help with that bag. Hey, let us put that on this cart and let's roll it up to your room. Somebody lift that up and hear a bunch of metal and feel how heavy it is and be like, what the hell? This isn't clothes in this suitcase or in this in this duffel bag like this dude just bypasses all that there's no video footage of him carrying all this stuff up to his room like no way dude there's no way like (laughs) that would have been on video you know staff would have been like hey sir let me help you with that like somebody would have caught wind that there's something going on here there's no way that he just carried up all those rifles and all that ammunition to his what did he make a hundred trips you know well like there's (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I, I was just going to say Go the big ahead. red flag to me. Uh, if I'm going to to do an offensive attack, I, I'm taking one or two guns and a bunch of ammo. You you don't bring ten ten guns or ten rifles for for you don't switch guns uh, unless you're you're shooting a fifty cal and you have to change the barrels yeah. <laughs> every couple minutes because the barrels heating up. It's it's absurd. You and, and by the way, they were they were staged. Uh, they were set up in stage, so obviously there was more than one shooter. Um, and here's a guy who was a life. If I remember, wasn't he an accountant? That's what he did for a living. Yes. And he was He's a gambler. An and he had, I think, a house in uh, Florida. And did he have two houses? Did he also have one in like California or Vegas? But- yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I don't have that in my notes, but I believe you're correct. On what that. would motivate somebody who's worth I'd, in one year? I saw his tax return. He made five and a half million dollars because he was really good at gambling. Uh, and he still when he died, he had plenty of money. So what was his motivation? Yeah, I, I heard that uh, he but he was spending ten thousand to thirty thousand dollars a day in the casino and he was just burning through his his money, you know, so. Yeah, maybe he did have money to buy all that stuff, but even then, like, there's no way that he got it up to his room. Oh there's no, 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 way. no, no way. And then, and no then the way. other thing that I'm going to talk about is the 48 hour rule in Vegas. Okay, so they said this guy was locked up in this hotel room for a week. Okay, I've stayed at hotel casinos in Vegas. There's a rule or a law in Vegas that if you don't respond to the front desk or or room service, yeah, you can hang a sign out the side your door that says "Do not disturb," but you don't respond to room service or the front desk calls in 48 hours. They're required by law to go and check on you because we all know Sin City, man. People drink, they do drugs, they commit suicide. You know, people end up dead. You know what I mean? Too, too much cocaine, your heart explodes, popping pills and drinking, you're dead in your hotel room. They got to go check on you. So this guy just scathed all that for seven days, hunkered up in his room. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Dude, somebody would have went and checked on him. What happened to those forty? What happened to the forty-eight hour rule when it comes to Stephen Paddock? Right, George. Hundred percent, a hundred percent, and of course, he got the um, Lee Harvey Oswald treatment, right? Exactly, Lee Harvey Oswald treatment. Exactly, and then this is where it, it's really a cultish, right? Where was that field that all the concert attendees? You know, what was right, right next to that, overlooking that? Just happens to be the Luxor, right? Which is a giant pyramid. So all these people get shot, killed, mowed down, and injured in front of a pyramid. You know, an attack on Americana country concert, and all these people get mowed down in front of a pyramid. We all know that the secret societies 
and and luciferians and all these occult groups they love egyptian mysticism they love the egyptian book of the dead why do they worship the egyptians and their their symbolism well because the egyptians were the ones that enslaved god's covenant people right and and there's a lot of you know evidence i don't want to get into this but you know in in a cult you know there's there you know, pre-flood that the Egyptians were probably maybe under the influence of the Nephilim and, and, and the fallen angels and, and, and help build those megaliths. So the, the occultists have always loved Egyptian. The, the, the Illuminati's uh, logo is what? A pyramid, right? With the eye on top, it's on our money. You know, it's, it's in, I mean, it's in numerous amounts of cartoons. They even have it in a SpongeBob episode. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they, he got this, got executed in front of the Luxor. So to me, with all these red flags, all these smoking guns, all these inconsistency, inconsistencies in the story, and it's done in front of a pyramid, brings all day staged event blood sacrifice to Lucifer. What do you think? It makes sense. I'm actually looking at, at an image now. There's the Mandalay Bay uh, to the left, and then the, the main road is Mandalay Bay Road, the actual street, and then the Luxor Casino is actually closer to the Route 91 Festival site than the Mandalay Bay itself. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at the demographics and the layout, it's just right there. Yeah, so yeah, that makes, and that little Sphinx lane right out front is literally just on the other side. And by the way, I just noticed, holy shnikes, <laughs> there is a um uh, what do you call I, why is my brain i know it's late but the uh the washington monument what do you call them uh, obelisk there's an the obelisk. obelisk right in front of the the luxor did you see that uh no i didn't notice it but uh you know they love the they love the phallus worship so does nasa oh. you know all their rockets just happen to look like giant phalluses yes you know? that that's incredible so there's the luxor <laughs> There's the the little Sphinx, and then there's an obelisk, then there's Las Vegas Boulevard, and then there's the entire Route 91 festival site. Yeah, perfect stage for a, wow. a, a massacre, correct? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> I've never noticed yeah, that man. obelisk sitting right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and then, uh, uh, you know, last thing that we wanted to touch on, because, you know, I don't, I, I you know, I know there's... Uh, you know, conspiracy podcasts and touch on this, but you don't hear it too often. You hear this, you know, most of the time people talking about nine 11 or OKC, you know, I know you did a thing on Ted Kaczynski recently and, and uh, you know, people talk about the mass shootings and, and, you know, uh, JFK of course, but you know, a lot of the times we forget about the princess die story. And I find this one to be very interesting too. So I'd like to share with your listeners a little bit about the princess die. Indeed. Yeah, so uh, we all know Princess Di, uh, Lady Diana Spencer. She married Prince Charles on July 29th in 1981. Um, she gave birth to William and Harry, correct? The 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 prince uh, the princes. Yep. And uh, William <laughs> was born on the summer solstice. How about that? Uh, June 21st, 1982. He was introduced to the world. Now, if you go and research. She was actually induced and forced to give birth to him on that date. You <laughs> That's know that? right. Yeah. You know what the excuse was? Uh, Charles had a polo game and he didn't want to miss it. So they scheduled it for June 21st. <laughs> 
Yeah, it just so happens to be the summer solstice, right? Yes, sir. And same thing. If you if you know anything about the occult and the, these thirteen families and what they're into and these Luciferians, they're into sun worship. You know the heliocentric model and the uh, it's Lucifer's the morning star, right? That's right. He's the light bearer. He's the one that brought knowledge to man in the Garden of Eden. You know he actually brought knowledge to Adam and Eve, and he wanted to free them and and, and give them knowledge and God. And according to them, of course, Lucifer's the savior and God's this, this, this great persecutor, you know, and, and Lucifer's the, the bearer of knowledge and, and comes to save humanity and show them how to become gods. Right. Like, no. Um, but anyways, I thought that was funny, you know, that, uh, that good old William was uh, forced to be born on the summer solstice. So back into the princess die thing, you know, she was, uh, she herself, she said, that she was a brood more in her own words, you know, like a brood mare, I'm sorry, a brood mare. So basically she said like she was basically given to the Royal family to give birth to these two kids, just like you would take a, a, a prize champion, a horse or thoroughbred to, to, to have sex, you know, to, to mate with this, with this uh, male stallion to give birth to this champion prize horse. Yep. So basically she admitted, she's basically saying like, Hey, uh, they were using me. You know, and it's all about bloodlines because she herself has 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 a bloodline lineage that's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, so um, it, it, the story is though that that Charles is in love with another woman named Camilla Parker Bowles, and he's having an affair with this woman. So um, I guess you know they had this rocky marriage. Uh, it says that she was, uh, she had, of course had 24 hour security and, and she's the princess. And we all know that the amount of, uh, of press and publicity, the Royal family gets. So she has her own security guard. She has her own staff. She has her own servants. And, and, and there's a lot that's saying that she's talking a lot, you know, she's, she's talking about, you know, things that the Royal families are, are, are up to. She's talking about, you know, they're using her for these breeding purposes. She's unhappy, you know, and she starts herself having an affair with one of her guards named Barry Manneke, who uh, mysteriously dies in a traffic accident. Right. And uh, when when this gentleman dies, who princess was the princess was having an affair, the security guard, it said that Charles is the one that breaks the news to her and says, I'm sorry, shame about that poor chat, that poor lad, Barry. You know, so he's he comes up to her and, and he breaks the news like, hey, I'm sorry, but uh, your boyfriend's dead. You know, sorry. Shame about that. Poor Barry. You know, like, yeah. uh, Charles himself comes up and tells her this. And uh, they, the story goes that, uh, you know, that she was saying to her friends and she wrote in in, um, you know, her, her diary and stuff. She's like, I know they killed him. I know they killed. him. Absolutely. So, so so they so here starts this tumultuous uh, uh breakup right this ugly nasty breakup and i i don't i don't know if they were still married at the time or or or, or still wed to get in wedlock you know legally but you know they're going through this divorce they're splitting ways they're both having affairs on one another princesses die uh the man that she's having an affair with ends up dead in a traffic accident and, and then charles ends up uh hooking up with this woman camilla parker right and, and and she was always on record saying that she was indispensable. You know, uh, she was writing letters to her friends that that came out. And and in the article that I sent you to post the link, it shows a handwritten note by her 
and you can read it in her own handwriting. And she says, uh, I think they're going to kill me in some kind of fake accident scenario. Yeah, she was trying to let her friends. Yeah. She was letting her friends know like, Hey, something's going to, I think something's going to happen to me. They're going to do something to me. And if I die in an accident, it's not an accident. That's right. And so there's also a letter that she wrote to her Butler that's been published that says basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then she starts getting threats from her own security team, right? The guys that are supposed to be taking care of her and protecting her yep. uh, because she's this huge popular world figure and always in all the tabloids. So her security team comes up to her and, and they tell her, uh, we know about your relations and, and we can't do anything about that to protect you. So you need to curtail this fort, right? Like basically telling her, you know, like we know about your affairs. We know about all your relationships. We know everything you're doing. Stop it now. Cause we can't protect you. Her own security team tells her this. Mm. So then, uh, you know, she, she always talked about saying how much, so she goes on record and she starts, she starts talking, right? Like, what did we say earlier about people that start talking? So she starts talking about the Royal family and she's telling people in interviews that, you know, I don't understand why everybody has so much love for the Royals. And then she, she called them evil monsters. And she said, it's time for people to wake up. She says this in an interview about the Royal family, right? So she's starting to talk, she's starting to talk and kind of expose people like these people aren't the pristine, you know, spotless characters that you think they are. They are evil monsters and it's time for you guys to wake up. So here she is trying to uh, enlighten people to, to how evil these people really are. So, and this is where it gets really interesting. So she ends up having an affair with a, a Saudi Arabian billionaire son and his name is Dodi Faid. I don't know if I pronounce his name correct, but Dodi Faid, right? He's the son of billionaire Mohammed Faid, who owns the Harrods. He's the Harrods store chain owner. He's the owner of the Fulham Football Club and also the Hotel Ritz in Paris. So this is a, a very powerful family. And his this guy's dad, go research him. He has ties to these these people himself, you know. So um you know, she starts dating this billionaire. So uh, Dodi Faid himself, you know, uh, gets in the film production. He becomes an e executive producer and he was the executive producer for uh, the FX movies. He was ex executive producer for Hook, for The Scarlet Letter and Chariots of Fire. So that's just some interesting things. Um, and then uh, Dodi, um, there, there's a story that him and Princess Di took the boys, Harry and William, on a on a yacht and they went on a cruise and then Charles goes and pulls the kids from the cruise, uh, before they're able to finish out the trip. So, you know, they, they're, they're pushing buttons, right? Here she is, you know, having an affair with this Saudi Arabian, you know, uh, a Muslim billionaire. And we all know how these, how they are about bloodlines, right? Oh yeah. It's taboo. You don't, you don't break these bloodlines, <laughs> Nope. you know? So she, so she's 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 in hot water. So, um, you know, fast forward and they didn't date for very long, folks, before this happens on August, August 30th uh, was was the date of Princess Diana's death. Right there. Uh, it said that she was supposed to meet up with uh, with Dodi Faid uh, and they were going to meet up at the, the Hotel Ritz in Paris, which was owned by his family. And they were going to have this exclusive date and, and, and spend some time together and try to have some intimacy and, and spend some time in this guy's resort. 
of course they show up at the resort and they're just bombarded by paparazzi right there's just paparazzi everywhere and and they're like well we can't possibly have any time to ourselves you know so let's get out of this place so the story goes they're bombarded by a bunch of paparazzi at the ritz um so instead they they come up with this plan like hey let's get out of here and they were going to go to his apartment in rue uh, arsan Pousse. i don't know i don't know french but um anybody out there you can look it up there so they're going to detour right and they're going to leave the hotel they're going to uh, immediate change of plans and let's go to my my private uh, apartment you know so they jump in a vehicle you know uh, a mercedes um i believe it was a mercedes limousine and they're trying to escape the paparazzi and they're being chased by all these people so uh the the driver is one of her guards and an, an individual by the name of Henry Paul and in the front passenger seat is Reese Jones and then um the occupants in the back are Dodie Faid and Princess Diana. So the story is they're they're going right they're trying to dodge and duck and get out of the way and escape the paparazzi and 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 and, and make their way to his his apartment so they could have privacy. And uh story is they're they're ditching the tail of the paparazzi and they um they switch vehicles from the story that i read they switch vehicles correct to try to 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 throw them off right right and they lose the they lose the tail of the paparazzi so now they're in another vehicle and now they're they're free right they're not being tailed uh so story is uh, a couple minutes later there's uh two other vehicles and a motorcycle that approach them and uh they become hit they're like hey we're being tailed there's there's two vehicles on us and they're right up on us like they're they're following us because they're traveling at high speed trying to trying to get away and uh and this is all eyewitness accounts that you could read it about to be attaching this article but this says that there's another motorcycle blocking traffic from the other side of the road so oncoming traffic can't come in and that uh they're being tailed one of the cars is a white fiat and it rams into their mercedes as they near the tunnel. So this vehicle that's behind them rams into them. Right. And, uh, also there's later evidence that they say there might've been a remote de- a device, uh, like a remote device that caused an explosion. That's right. Ac- according to the original CNN reports and eyewitness reports. And, and you, and that, that, of course they pulled that CNN report right away, but the first immediate CNN reports was there was a, there was an additional explosion. Okay, so they also they they say that the Mercedes that they were in, the controls were compromised and that the remember, there's a motorcycle blocking traffic from the other side of the road that this guy eyewitness accounts. Right. Say. And by the way, the electricity was off. So there's no lights in the tunnel, you know, no cameras. um, There's no there's no street lights. No cameras are working. Just the perfect just the perfect setup. Right. And this guy that's on a motorcycle, other eyewitnesses that were there say that they saw a laser strobe. And the story is that the the, the motorcycle rider shines a, a laser in the eyes of Henry Paul, who was driving the vehicle at high speed, right? So uh, witnesses also say, like I said, the lights were off minutes before they arrived on the scene. Um, when they arrest, arrive on the scene, this, this vehicle s- smashes into the back of them, and there's a laser shooting in the driver's side from from this guy on a motorcycle um and after the explosion and the bang 
unknown bystander finds the wreckage and he runs up on the scene and he finds Henry Paul dead. So the first one found dead was the driver of the vehicle. Um, the only survivor was the gentleman's name that I mentioned, uh, Reese Jones. I think he was the only survivor of this incident. Um, and then also bystanders say there was a helicopter on scene. Do you know about that, George? You hear about that? Uh, vaguely, yeah. I, the one thing I do recall is how didn't they uh, take her to a hospital that was further? There was one hospital that was closer and they decided to take her to another one. Yep, that's what I'm leading up to. Okay, that's exactly and what I'm leading up let, to. Yep, also, let me interject one more thing real quick before you get to that part. There's also rumors out there that the MI6 was directly involved with this. And one of the theories is is that they use this technique called the Boston Breaks. And what it is is basically uh, it's a method <laughs> where this target car, which would have been the, the, the car that Princess Diana was in, it, it's controlled by another car that's like nearby, which would ex- would – I guess in some way explain why it precisely hit the 13th pillar. God, boom, dude, you got it, dude. That's exactly what I'm leading up to. So, oh, okay, yeah. good. So there's a, there's a helicopter on scene, you know, they're seen and, and, and bystanders, you know, if you think about it, there just happens to be a helicopter on scene. The lights are cut off in this tunnel. There's this high speed chase They're They're getting away from the paparazzi. Two other vehicles are chasing them. Motorcycles are involved. Vehicles are being blocked. Lasers are being seen like, dude, this is not just an accident. Okay. So uh, it's almost like it was being directed and orchestrated. Right. And there, like you said, there's no video, there's no video footage of it because the power was out in that area. It just so happened to be out. And also the vehicles that were chasing her are seen by uh, the bystanders fleeing away, fleeing the scene in high speed. Okay. And just like you said, the MI6 uh, British intelligence agency, you know, there's ties to them. These are also the organization that planned to kill a Serbian president, right? Milosevic in 96 with a car crash. That's right. And they tried to kill Omar Gaddafi with a car bomb. And, and, and you said it, the Boston breaks. And this vehicle slams into number 13, the pillar number 13 in this tunnel. And what uh, the number 13 is the amount, the royal bloodline, right? The 13 families. That's it's right. a, it's another occult number that, you know, all these occult numbers always happen to pop up during these, uh, these events. Also, you said, you talked about the, the, uh, the medics that picked her up, right? The ambulance that picks her up. They there was a there was a hospital that was a lot closer to their destination, um, and they end up like diverting and going way uh, to another location. Takes them nearly two hours to get there, and when they arrive, um, they park uh, six hundred meters away from the hospital before they proceed in. Right, and they say Princess did not. What they say is that Princess Di was still actually alive at this time when they put her in the ambulance. That's right. And so they, they, they divert from their original destination where they could have got her to medical care much quicker. They, they decide to go to this other place. And when they get to this place, they stop 600 meters away from it. Okay. Um, also the CIA confirms that they, that they, the, that the MI6 was spying on the couple. Like the CIA, CIA came out at the time, I guess, and confirmed that the MI6 was spying on on Fayed and Princess Diana. Um, and then, so uh, let's get into like the after scene, right? What they what they uncovered, like after all this is done, right? They say that she was pregnant. 
Yep. <laughs> you remember that? They Absolutely. Say that she, yep. was, she was pregnant. So the, the French medical team, uh, you know, after the autopsy say, yeah, she was actually carrying a baby. So here's where we get into this, right? This woman was hand selected to be a broodmare for the Royal family, give birth to Harry and William for, for, for Prince Charles. She was picked it picked because of her bloodline. She comes out, she starts talking about how evil the family is, how she's being used. You know, she, she, she wanted to she'd blow the whistle, let everybody know who they really were. You know, she wanted to know their true colors. She was talking too much. She's had, she's having affairs with security guards. Now she's having an affair with a Saudi Arabian, you're going to break our bloodline. And now you're pregnant by them. We can't have that, you know? So, you know, it, it would be an embarrassment to the Royal family. It'd be a travesty for, for the princess to have a, a third child, uh, you know, out of wedlock with a, with a Saudi Arabian. That's, that's a no, no to them. Right. Yeah, and then also the, the, that, that, the that's a uh, line in the sand for those folks. Yeah, you, you don't cross that line for sure. So the media also claimed uh, that, you know, that uh, it comes out with the report that the driver was three times over the legal limit of alcohol consumption. Right. Like, okay, like this guy is specifically there to escort these people around and he's just tilting back cocktails to where he's three times over the legal limit. They're, like they're... I know the point the legal limit over here is 0.08. So you're talking about this guy being 24% blood alcohol, you know, like, no, that was just like part of their thing that, so they can claim, you know, Oh, it's his fault. They crashed into that pole. So, so these people who work for the elites and I'm talking uh, like, like who's the biggest singer in America right now, like a Taylor Swift, like they're security guards. If any of those guys saw one person drinking or anything like that, they would like fire them on the spot. Like these guys are paid extremely well to do their jobs, uh, right? This isn't some night security guy uh, at the local <laughs> community college, uh, you know, with basically sitting in his car for eight hours until it's time to punch out. These guys are the elite of the elite in security, and many of them have been MI6. Many of them have been uh, in, in the most elite uh, units in the military. These aren't guys that are just, oh, I'm just going to tip back a few drinks before, uh, you know, one of the most famous people in the world, you know, gets in my car and I drive her around. It's ludicrous. Yeah, that's ludicrous. There's no way. There's no way. You know, like I said, I'm in security myself, like, you know, and I'm not on that level. And there's no way, man. Like you said, these guys are the elite of the elite. They're professionals. They're, there's no way this guy is has 24% blood alcohol. It's, it's just not reality. Nope. <laughs> this is just their cover-up, right? Um, and then, then I talked about it. You know, they, they, they said that she was still alive when she got in the ambulance and that, and that she's pregnant. They parked 600 meters away. You know, and there's just a lot of sto the, the story goes that Diana was going to get in. She was getting involved in politics and that she was opening her mouth about the British, the, the, the British government and the royals. You know, she's just talking. She's talking and she's talking. Uh, she was going to start. The, and this is what they said she was starting to talk about. The Bilderbergers, the Trilateral Commission, the Bohemian Grove and their media takeover. Wow. 
these are these are all these are all things that she was talking about so this is what i wanted to lead it into and this is the final part on good old princess diana for her rest her soul i think she wanted to come out and blow the whistle she wanted to break ties she probably had a guilty conscience she knew they were evil wanted nothing to do with it she probably wished she could just go live a normal life fell in love with some guy poor thing pregnant and she gets killed like you know that's pretty it's a really sad story actually like if they really came out a, with a, a real movie with the real details, like if they would really tell us the truth, like imagine how sad that story would be. It's just tragic. Right. right? You know, and not to mention, so let's get into the, to the occult. The, what, like, what is it about this whole scene that just screams Illuminati occult sacrifice? So Diana is the moon goddess, right? Pont de Alma in, in, in Paris where they crashed was also an ancient site. Just so happened to be an ancient site where what? They worship Diana, the moon goddess. That's right. So she she crashes in a tunnel next to, in the in the area and in the place, in, in, in the ancient world, where they used to do human sacrifices to the moon goddess Diana. Princess Diana dies in an underground tunnel, slamming into the 13th pillar, right? And, uh, you know, yeah, that they used in that area, they did human sacrifices to the to the goddess Diana. So we talked about the number 13 being the royal bloodlines of the families of the Mero, Merovingian bloodlines, right? Yes, sir. These are the 13 royal bloodline families of the Merovingian bloodlines. Uh, the Merovingians just happened to follow what ancient cult? The cult of Diana. <laughs> you can't make it up. Yep, and their their symbol is what? A black swan. So this is my final conclusion, Princess. Uh, she's a sacrifice of Diana to the goddess Diana. And what they these occultists believe in these ritualistic murders when they're executed in a certain way, you know, this was a, a, a sacrifice of a princess to the goddess Diana to give her living offspring divine rule. This is what these occultists believe, black magic, ritualistic murder. I mean, her her whole scenario, her whole story, her whole death, folks, it wasn't just a car crash. Oh, I'm no. sorry to tell you. Sorry to break it to you. The Princess Diana wasn't just in uh, just your run-of-the-mill car crash. Like she said herself that uh, she would die in a, a fake accident, you know, an orchestrated accident, and she warned her friends, well, uh, she – she spoke her own prophetic death, you know, into existence, sadly, you know, and that's, that's pretty much what we got, bro. When we said we were going to talk about it and we did it, but, uh, you know, any last thoughts on princess Diana or anything else that you, you wanted to say, you know, talk about that, that we touched on tonight. Oh yeah. Two things. Actually, my wife, uh, shook princess Diana's hand. Uh, I think it was 1990. Uh, and she said, uh, just, you know how you can tell when somebody's fake. Like I met Hillary Clinton in person and you could tell yeah. that she loathed having to, to shake soldiers hands. Um, just absolute phony. But she said uh, just, you know, in that moment she got to shake her hand and say hello, uh, that she was one of the most genuinely nice people that she'd ever meet in the world. Now, something that I remember as a youngster, because what, was it 1980 or 81 when they got married? Uh, once you got married, yeah, Charles. So I would have been I, like, I have it in mind. Yeah, I would have been like twelve. Yeah, they, and they got married on. 
I know it was the Ju- summer. July twenty ninth, nineteen eighty one. Okay, so um, th- they they always do the, the the news likes to have a nice storyline. They made it like you know here's Prince Charles, this guy, this lineage of royalty going back forever. They kind of make. Diana sound like she was the, the the girl from the humble backgrounds from the country, this, that, and the other thing. But like you mentioned, a lot of people don't know her family lineage is big time. Her, I guess it was her great, great grandfather was Frederick Spencer, the fourth. And he yeah, fought the Spencers. Yeah. in the, in the Napoleonic wars and, and like quite the lineage. So she wasn't your average country girl, you know, like, like a movie, how they, they, they tend to put that. She, that is some fa- family lineage. And then the, the one son uh, born on June 21st, it'd be interesting where he leads to. Um, I had the one author on, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but uh, a few months ago, and he believed that uh, Prince Charles uh, was the Antichrist, and I thought it was interesting. Well, I said, what about his son? You know, it's kind of interesting that he's born on the uh, uh, the summer solstice, and these people are sun worshipers. So we'll, I guess only time will ten, tell. You know, we never know. But uh, that family, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, between the son born on the summer solstice and then the sacrifice of Diana into the 13th yep. pillar uh, into a site that the Merv. Uh, I can never say it right. The Mer- Mervin. Merovinian. Thank you, sir. Um, going back to the 500 AD. I mean, we're talking 1500 years. Um, yes. Th- these ritualistic events, just like from then to 9-11, these things are ritualistic events. And uh, it is just, you know. Magic a, a, with a K. Magic with a K. And, of course, the one nobody knows about, Barry Manneke, just killed that guy. <laughs> Yeah, oh. they yeah they often and she said herself they killed him they yep. killed him I know they killed him and, and I honestly yeah, think man. Raul I think she knew that day uh, I think it was May of eighty seven she knew she was on a clock yeah she definitely did I mean she was she was talking she was talking too much but she was also she knew she was she was warning her friends I know something's gonna happen to me like poor thing you know. Yeah, this has been a tremendous episode. We've covered the three things we wanted to cover. We didn't get too far off base. You've been tremendous. The the two things I'd like to kind of mention, and I know I've mentioned one of these before, with Prince, he died April 21st, and, uh, you know, April's the fourth month, and then... Uh, I've heard this. Yeah, you is the 21st <laughs> is, letter, awesome. so I Would Die For You was his big song. Oh, man. So I, I think there may have been... You know how they mock everything is a mockery, and then of course um, Kurt Cobain, he was another one in the Twenty Seven Club, right? Yep, he's the twenty. Oh, we didn't even mention the Twenty Seven Club. By the way, Jim Morrison's in that. Yeah. Um, uh, who's the other members? Janis Joplin and uh, Jimi Hendrix. Oh, that's right, old Jimmy. Yep, Jimi Hendrix. That that four twenty one Prince thing, man. Come on, he dies on four twenty one, and he made a song that, and the, the fourth month. The 21st day is the letter U, and he made a song, I Will Die For You. Yep. <laughs> like, what? Uh, like, yep. dude, the, all these stories that we told tonight, you know, real life stories, by the way, dude. <laughs> like, look at all the coincidences. The, I mean, just bells ringing left and right, red flags going up left and right. That's all we want you to soak in, folks. We just want you to soak this stuff in and just think about it. Like, 
do, do you just believe the official mainstream narrative? Do you just be believe what the media says? Their their story, they just always have it right. There is just so much corruption, so much cover up, and 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 just the, these stories that we told tonight. It, it's it's an occult. It's all a, a cult, you know. It's just riddled with this numerology and 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 sites and you know people that. Uh, just some of them confess to follow the 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 dark lord you yeah, know don't even hide it. and the other ones they stay hidden behind the curtains the real the real ones the real hidden hand they're they're hidden you know they're like oz behind the curtain they're minions they're out there dancing in our faces but the the real enemy you know powers and principalities and high places man they're, they're hiding from us dude we just want to you folks to to question things and look into things and don't th take things for face value and, and, you know, people think, you know, we're conditioned to think conspiracy theorists are, 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 are these whacked out crazy lunatics, you know, or, or they're, you know, some crazy dude in his mother's basement on the computer for 24 hours a day with a bulletin board behind him, you know, pulling his hair out, you know, coming up with a plan of how he's going to murder all these people. Like that is not conspiracy. I mean, if it can be, if it can be proven if you can show things and the evidence and like, imagine if you took these evidences and presented them in a, in a, in a court of law and, and you really presented the real evidence to people and, and let the jury make up their minds. Like, imagine that, like, no, this is, these are covered up events. They, they're not conspiracies. If you can, if you can tie all these things together, like there's just way too much uh, coincidences happening here. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I used to, People say, oh, you know, studying conspiracy theories will drive you nuts and, and you'll just lose your mind. Not to a not to a strong minded, strong willed person who who stays, you know, like me and, and you, you know, we're lucky. We got the Lord Jesus Christ. We got his word. You know, we're commanded not to live in fear. We pray for protection and we ask for spirit, spiritual protection. And I know when anytime I study the occult or secret societies, and I read some of their literature, you know, whether it's Blavatsky, or read some of Aleister, Aleister Crowley's writings, or, or the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And it's not because I'm reading it, because I'm, I'm, I'm immersing myself into it. I, it's, I look at it, it, it's like, when, when a boxer is going to fight another boxer, what does he do? He studies tape of the boxer's fights so he can find a, what the, how he attacks and also how to counterattack, right? So when we are researching this stuff, we're doing it as, you know, spiritual warriors who know we're in a spiritual war and we're trying to see what our enemy's moves are so we can protect ourselves, right? Know thy and, enemy, and, right? And, uh, yeah, know thy enemy, you know, and I think it's just very important. Like, you know, the, the, they want to portray us, the media and the mainstream narrative wants to portray us as these whacked out psychos, you know, that can't control themselves. And, you know, they want to make, you know, we're these QAnon right wing extremists and, you know, like do your homework, folks, like just look at both sides, listen to both sides and, and don't just take one person. Roll dropped. Okay, no yeah. problem, folks. We just had a little tech glitch. Go ahead, uh, roll continue. Yeah, no, you know, uh, we had a little technical glitch. Had to reconnect there, but uh, you know, long story short, I just want to let let our our listeners and your followers know, and and people that are tuning into this stuff too. I think they're pretty hip and smart already. You know, you might get some first time people, and maybe some of these conspiracies you folks haven't heard of before. But I think that's why it's so important. I think that 
George, you do just do such tremendous work and, and I'm just barely, you know, getting going in the podcasting world and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting my feet underneath me, but, uh, I thank you for mentoring me and, uh, I just really admire you and I admire your work because you, you are just so detailed and, and, and you're so, uh, so good at your craft and, and, and if people just stop and listen and just think about these things, there's just no way that all these coincidences, coincidences happen for, you know, it's just way too fishy. <laughs> it's fishier than the Seattle market, you know? Yeah. Fool me once, shame on me or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We keep, uh, we keep allowing these things to happen. And, uh, you know, the next time you come on all, all the music industry we talked about today was all the U S industry. We didn't even touch on Tavistock and, um, really how they were really involved, uh, in rock and roll. And a lot of people say Tavistock was responsible or for, um, actually writing the lyrics to not just the Beatle, but a lot of these big British invasion bands. So again, it goes back to how much of our, um, you know, culture, cult sure is actually organic so lots to talk about but uh, thank you so much for all the information you hit a grand slam today on the music industry and uh, we talked about so again you, you called it right we don't talk about it enough but you know it's there's so many things to talk about you could do a show seven days a week and never run out of things to talk about there's so much evil out there and then of course um with princess diana which is just Man, that was just pure evil. But uh, I'll give you uh, the last word, brother. Yeah, no, just like you said, man, I think another episode probably just about the British rock bands alone, right? The Beatles and Led Zeppelin and yep. Pink Floyd. And by the way, some of my favorite bands, some of Absolutely. my favorite music ever. But I mean, uh, deep, deep occultic ties, you know. Um, Robert Plant, man, uh, or Jimmy Page. Go look at that guy and where he lived for a while. <laughs> Alistair Crowley's you know? house, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, too, it's just too crazy when you, when you, we could keep digging forever, but no, I just appreciate you for having me on, on your show, you know, and uh, you know, I just invite some of your listeners, come check out the Firmamental podcast. You know, it's a new podcast and, you know, I'm giving it my best shot, but it's something that I'm passionate about. And, you know, it just gives me this platform and, you know, it's really, I find it to be therapeutic. I have all this stuff in my mind and I get to share it with folks and I've gotten connected with people and, you know, I've only been doing this for a few weeks and because I've been on your show, you know, I've got, I look at my, my stats and my statistics and I'm getting these listeners from like Uruguay and Ireland and, and the Philippines and the UK and Canada. And through you, I've actually connected with a couple guys that I'm going to do some upcoming shows and I'm going to have guests, uh, George is a guest on my show. So come over and, and check us out. And just once again, man, thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And I was just, uh, thrilled to spend some time with you guys tonight. Likewise, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for uh, being a good friend and uh, loving your new podcast. It's Raul Hilliard, host of the Firmamental podcast. And of course, the link and his email address will be in the show description. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget, folks, next week we will have... Uh, we'll be interviewing, sadly, again, uh, Jeremy Brown will be joining us for prison. Uh, uh, we'll be doing the interview in 15-minute segments because that's as about as long as we can do. And they uh. cut him off, and he has to call back. But we'll put it together. He has a lot to say. We'll get a, an update on his situation. But, again, Raul, thank you so much for joining me and uh, just bringing so much great content and information tonight, my brother. 
Thank you. Thank you, George. All right. God bless everyone. Keep your head on a swivel. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Uh, Enjoy the Classic Audio Sunday night. Uh, And until next time, my friends, we will see ya. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.